Welcome to the Kingdom at Hand from Hosanna Free Lutheran Church in St. James, Minnesota. I am Pastor Joe Faldet. Today's sermon is looking at Judges 21 and how God makes a way for the people of Israel and for the 600 Benjaminites and what that means for us. And so today as we close out, we pray that God would bless you through this sermon. And this one was preached inside. Today, we're looking at Judges 21. And I read in Jesus' name. Now the men of Israel had sworn at Mizpah, No one of us shall give his daughter in marriage to Benjamin. And the people came to Bethel and sat there until evening before God. And they lifted up their voices and wept bitterly. And they said, O Lord, the God of Israel, why has this happened in Israel? That today there should be one tribe lacking in Israel. And the next day the people rose early and built there an altar and offered burnt offering and peace offerings. And the people of Israel said, Which of all the tribes of Israel did not come up in the assembly of the Lord? For they had taken a great oath concerning him who did not come up to the Lord at Mizpah, saying, He shall surely be put to death. And the people of Israel had compassion for Benjamin their brother and said, One tribe is cut off from Israel this day. What shall we do for wives for those who are left? Since we have sworn by the Lord that we will not give them any of our daughters for wives. And they said, what one, of the, what one is there of the tribes of Israel that did not come up to the Lord at Mizpah? And behold, no one had come up, come to the camp from Jabesh-Gilead to the assembly. For when the people were mustered, behold, not one of the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead was, was there. So the congregation sent 12,000 of their bravest men there and commanded them, Go and strike the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead with the edge of the sword, also the women and the little ones. And this is what you shall do. Every male and every woman who has lain with a male, you shall devote to destruction. And they found among the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead 400 young virgins who had not known a man by lying with him. And they brought them to the camp at Shiloh, which was in the land of Canaan. Then the whole congregation sent word to the people of Benjamin who were in the rock of Rimon and proclaimed peace to them. And Benjamin returned at that time, and they gave them the women whom they had saved alive of the women of Jabesh-Gilead, but they were not enough for them. And the people had compassion on Benjamin, because the Lord had made a breach in the tribes of Israel. Then the elders of the congregation said, What shall we do for wives for those who are left, since the women are destroyed out of Benjamin? And they said, There must be an inheritance for the survivors of Benjamin, that a tribe not be blotted out from Israel. Yet we cannot give them wives from our daughters. For the people of Israel had sworn, Cursed be he who gives a wife to Benjamin. So they said, Behold, there is a yearly fest of the Lord, feast of the Lord at Shiloh, which is north of Bethel, in the east of the highway that goes up from Bethel to Shechem, and south of Labona. And they commanded the people of Benjamin, saying, Go and lie in ambush in the vineyards and watch. If the daughters of Shiloh come out to dance in the dances, then come out of the vineyards and snatch each man his wife from the daughters of Shiloh and go to the land of Benjamin. And when their fathers and their brothers came to complain, come to complain to us, we shall say to them, Grant them graciously to us, because we, we did not take for each man of them his wife in battle. Neither did you give them to them else you would now be guilty. And the people of Benjamin did so and took their wives according to the number from the dancers whom they carried off. Then they went and returned to their inheritance and rebuilt the towns and lived in them. And the people of Israel departed from there at that time, every man to his tribe and family. 
and they went out from there every man to his inheritance. In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Let us pray. Father, as we come now to study and to apply this passage into our lives, I ask that you would bless us, that you would grant us wisdom and grace, Lord, that you would be honored through this study, and indeed that we might grow, Lord, that we might walk in integrity. Father, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we come to this text today, we're going to be looking at how God provides a way. And, and I think this is, this is really important. This is really important for me to see that God provides a way. That no matter how stuck you seem, God provides a way. So what's going on in this text? So the people of Israel make a vow. They all, they all gather together. Now vows at this time, again, they're very important because they were a demonstration of your integrity. They were a demonstration of your worship. They were a demonstration of your humility. They were a demonstration of your ability to exist within a structure. And so a vow, you make a vow. Now you have a goal, you have a plan, you have a structure, you have boundaries, you have barriers. You can't go beyond that. Earlier this year, I made the vow that I would pray for all the nations of the world and that I would read through my Bible in a year. And so that is a structure that I have. And so by the end of, not by the end of this year, but by the fulfillment of that vow, I need to have read through my Bible and I need to have prayed through all the nations in the world. And thankfully we've got Operation World to do that. But this is giving me direction. This is giving me guidance. This vow that I have made is directing my life. And so every day, I, at least I try to every day, uh, and if I don't do it every day, then I have to fill up uh, that time in another day, I will take time and I will spend time in the word of God and I will spend time in prayer, prayer praying for these nations uh, that I would pursue that because that's what a vow does. It, it calls us and it directs our lives. If I make a vow, I have to hold to that. And so the people of Israel made a vow and they made a vow saying that they would not give any of their daughters to the people of Benjamin. Now, I don't know what was going through their minds at this time. Uh, what this vow does is it isolates Benjamin from the nation of Israel. And so Benjamin from this point on is going to be a separate, really a, a separate nation within Israel. Had they, um, had they planned on this vow lasting into perpetuity, it, it probably would have killed off Benjamin. And the people of Israel are saying, we're not going to give our daughters there. What they're saying is we're not going to support Benjamin. We're not, going to give, we're not going to give him that which he needs to grow and flourish and continue. He's going to have to do all that himself. We're not going to be supporting this tribe anymore. And they're not going to support the tribe because the tribe, the tribe as a whole, supported the wickedness of the people of Gibeah. Now the, peop the leaders of Gibeah, now it's just the leaders of Gibeah. The leaders of Gibeah, they're the ones that abused this concubine until she died. Violated and abused her until she died. And the people of Israel said, hey, we want those leaders. We need to purge this evil from our land. But the people of Benjamin said, no, we're not going to give them. We're not going to give them over. We're not going to give them up. And so the nation of Israel had to go to war with Benjamin. That wasn't their intent at that point. At the beginning, it wasn't their intent to go to war with Benjamin. It was just to purge the evil people 
from the land. It was just to purge the evil people from the land. That's all they wanted to do. But the people of Benjamin stood between the evil leaders and the people of Israel. And so the people of Israel had to go to war with the whole tribe of Benjamin. And of all the people of Benjamin, only 600 remained. 600. That's not just talking about all the warriors. This was total destruction. Total destruction. Men, women, children, old, young. They, they destroyed everything. They destroyed the cities. They burned them. They purged the evil from Israel, but now they have a problem. They made a vow, we're not going to give our daughters, but now there's only 600 men left. That's it. Only 600 men. There's no women there. And these men have no opportunity to find wives within Israel, to find wives within, you know, the descendants of Israel because everybody else made vows. Everybody else made vows in Mizpah that they would not give their daughters. And so the people of Israel ran into a big problem. Their vow kept them from their goal. Their goal was to have a whole Israel. Their goal was to have a unified, complete, whole Israel. Twelve tribes. That was their goal. They wanted to have that. But the Lord made a breach and almost destroyed Benjamin. And that vow that they made, it prevented them from building Benjamin back up. So as they punished Benjamin, as they purged the evil from Israel, their vow prevented them from rebuilding and restoring the tribe of Benjamin. Isn't that interesting? That's what's going on here. And so that's where this problem comes in. And this is why the people of Israel are weeping at Bethel. This is why they're offering peace offerings. This is why they're offering sacrifices. Now we see that in verse 4. And the next day the people rose early, built there an altar, and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. And so they're, they're seeking God and they're seeking a way. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? This is the mess we're in. What are we going to do? But the cool thing is, God provides a way. God provides two, actually. And the first one is because the people of Israel actually had another vow. Uh, in verse 5, And the people of Israel said, Which of all the tribes of Israel did not come up to the assembly of the Lord? For they had taken a great oath concerning him who did not come up to the Lord to Mizpah, saying, He shall surely be put to death. So the people of Israel, they proclaimed this oath throughout Israel. They proclaimed this great oath. They took this great oath. And they said, of all the people of Israel, everybody here is obligated. Everybody here is obligated to come up and to cleanse Israel. We all have a part in Israel, therefore we all have an obligation towards this. We all have an obligation towards this. And anybody who doesn't do it, they're going to be put to death. Period. If you say, you know what, we don't care about the evil in Israel, you're going to be put to death yourself. If you don't support us in our desire to cleanse Israel from the evil, you're going to be put to death. And this great oath was made by all the people of Israel. It was proclaimed all throughout Israel, except for the people of Jabesh Gilead. They didn't come. And so they were under the condemnation of that oath. 
They were under that condemnation. And so now the people of Israel, in order to fulfill their one oath, that all, whoever doesn't come is going to be put to death. They need to fulfill that. But that gives them another opportunity. God provided an opportunity for them. Because as they went, they sent 12,000 of their bravest men down to Jabesh Gilead in order to purify Israel again. In order to purify Israel from apathy. So this is interesting. Because what's going on here is God is through the people of Israel. The first thing is, God is through the people of Israel purifying Israel from apathy towards evil. The men of Jabesh Gilead, the leaders of Jabesh Gilead didn't care about the evil within the land. They didn't care to assist in the cleansing of the evil. And apathy towards evil, that's not a good thing to have. That's the slow hardening of the heart. That's the slow setting of that concrete. That heart becomes hard, harder, and finally, stone. It's not a living heart anymore. It's not breathing. It's not blood. It's apathy. It's dead. And so when we slowly harden our heart towards evil, it's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal. We run into the same problem of the people of Jabesh Gilead. And so the people of Israel continue to have to cleanse Israel from the evil within Israel. But within that, so God's working at multiple layers here. So God is opening the people of Israel's eyes to see that Jabesh Gilead wasn't there. So God is granting wisdom to the people of Israel. God is granting cleansing to the nation of Israel that he would cleanse this apathy from the nation of Israel. Because the people of God, we're supposed to be passionate. We're supposed to be bold for God. We're not supposed to be passively evil. And we're not supposed to be passive towards evil. We're supposed to call it out. Speak forth the truth. The truth. Because the pen is mightier than the sword and so speaking forth the truth has more power than killing. But the people of Israel at this point, that's what they did. That's how they did things. So they cleansed the people of Jabesh Gilead and then in that God provided 400 daughters. God made a way. But that's not the only way that God made. God made another way. And it was through a loophole in their vow. Now, this is wisdom. This is God providing wisdom to the people of Israel. So Shiloh was right there and there was going to be a, a feast at Shiloh. Um, verse 19. So they said, Behold, there's a, the yearly feast of the Lord at Shiloh, which is north of Bethel, on the east of the highway that goes up from Bethel to Shechem and south of Labona. And so there's this, the people of Israel, the people who had made this vow, the people who were bound by this vow said, wait a second. We said we would not give our daughters. That's speaking about intent. What if they took our daughters? We're not breaking the vow. They're taking them. 
Could we do that? Yeah. All right. Let's do that. And so then the, the people of Benjamin came and took to their number. And so probably about 200 because, you know, 400 came from Jabesh Gilead. 200 then came from Shiloh. And God provided wisdom. God provided wisdom and God provided an opportunity. This feast was going on. These young women, these virgins would be out dancing and would be out celebrating to the Lord. And so that's something too. Note that. These are people that came to the feast. These are people that came to the tabernacle at Shiloh. These are people who came to the house of the Lord. These were worshipers. And so when the people of Israel rebuilt Benjamin, what they rebuilt Benjamin with was godly women too. At least the second group. We don't know much about the women of Jabesh Gilead. The emphasis there was on their purity. The emphasis here was on their godliness. These are the girls that come from families that come to worship the Lord. When we rebuild Benjamin, let's rebuild him with godly women. And that's what God's doing. God's sending these girls from godly families into Benjamin. The Benjaminites are coming and taking 200 of them. Now, am I, am I saying that this is the best way of doing things? I don't know. The best way of doing things would have been for them not to have taken that vow. But they took the vow. So now what are they left with? What opportunities has God given? What open doors has God given? And so this is such a fascinating text because we see God making a way. We see God preparing opportunities. Even within the vow that they make, we see that hidden hand of God orchestrating things, working things out for the purity of the nation of Israel. And for the integrity of the people of Israel, that they would continue to fulfill their vow. But then do what is needed to be done too. And so within this, I hope that you take heart. I hope that you take heart that indeed God finds a way. That God makes a way. That God has already planned and God has already prepared. That you would seek the Lord. Seek the Lord within the assembly. Seek the Lord within the congregation. Because as we seek the Lord together, God grants opportunity. God grants wisdom. God grants grace. God grants restoration. This is what God's desiring here. God's desiring restoration for the people of Israel. And as this stuff goes on in the nation of Israel, God works cleansing as the people of Israel follow God. God works opportunities. God works blessing. God works restoration. God is providing these avenues. And then this text closes. The last thought in the book of Judges is what? In those days there was no king in Israel Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Now, this is such a fascinating text because there's so much debate as to what exactly the author of the book of Judges is talking about. Is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? There was no king. There's nobody to blame. Now, it seems, it appears, that the book of Judges was written towards the end or towards the Assyrian captivity. It was written right around that time. Um, or at least after that. So the book of Judges was written fairly late and 
probably before the Babylonian captivity, but definitely after this, the Assyrian captivity because what we saw with the Levite going up to Dan and stuff like that and some of the things spoken there. But this ends with, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So the way that I understand this is that there's no king to blame. There's no king in Israel. Because the kings, if you read through the books of First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles, you will see the wickedness of the kings of Israel. You will see their sinfulness. You will see how they abandon the Lord, how they walk in the ways of Jeroboam, how they, they seek after the gods of the nations around them, how they persecute those who seek to follow the Lord, how they kill those who seek to follow the Lord, how they make worship difficult. That they weren't, the people of the northern kingdom weren't allowed to go to the southern kingdom to worship. That Jeroboam set up these, this big altar with the calves and all of that stuff that he set up there. We see that. We see the kings leading the people of Israel astray. Well, here the author of the book of um, Judges is saying, at this time there was no king. You see all this evil that was going on within Israel? There was no king. That king didn't lead them astray. There was nobody to guide them into wickedness. They sought it as themselves. We sought it ourselves. Who is the responsibility towards? Can we just blame the king? Well, <laughs> had we never had a king, then Israel wouldn't have gone astray. The author of the book of Judges is saying, no, that's not true. We're responsible. It's on us. It's on us as individuals. It's on us as individuals as we congregate together to keep the congregation itself clean. We can't just look to the king. We can't just look to the rulers. We can't just look to the leaders. We can't just look to them and say, well, they'll fix it. They'll make it work. It's on their shoulders. No, there's no king in Israel at this time and look at what they're doing. Both wickedness and righteousness. Both wickedness and righteousness is going on in Israel throughout the time of Judges. We have the cycle. People talk about the cycle in the book of Judges. God raises up a judge. The people of Israel follow that judge. Things go well. And then that judge dies and the people of Israel descend into wickedness and so God sends punishment. God sends punishment. The people of Israel repent so God sends a judge and then the whole thing cycles back upon itself again. And that's what's going on in the book of Judges. And so what do we see? What are we going to look at? What are we going to stare at? Are we going to stare at the evil in the book of Judges? Because it's there. There is evil in the book of Judges. And the people of Israel are not being led towards that evil by a single figurehead. Rather, they each and every one are pursuing this evil. But then God sends punishment. And so then what happens? The people of Israel, each and every one of them, they cry out to the Lord. When the people of Israel cry out to the Lord, when they put their gods away, God sends a judge to release them out of the wickedness that they're in. Out of the punishment that they've been put in. And then that judge leads Israel in righteousness. But that judge leads Israel in righteousness after the people of Israel had turned to righteousness. They had turned back to the Lord. So the people of Israel turn back to the Lord and then God raises a judge out of those righteous people. Those people have turned back to the Lord, a judge to lead them. 
But when that judge dies then, when that generation dies, the people of Israel again descend into wickedness because each one is doing what is right in his own eyes. And so as we look at the book of Judges as a whole, as we look throughout the book of Judges, we see the people of God abandoning God and God making a way and God pushing the people into repentance, pushing the people into confession, pushing the people into the removal of these false gods, showing the people of Israel that these false gods are false gods, that they cannot protect, that they cannot empower. And then God raises up leaders for the people of Israel, raises up local leaders, raises up judges, small-time leaders. They don't lead the whole nation. Sometimes they do. Most of the time they don't. They lead a portion at a place. Gideon only led a few. He only had 300 to start with. He had a bunch of people follow after him, you know. But he didn't lead Ephraim. Ephraim was mad. And so that doesn't even talk about Judah. Or talk about Dan. It was Gideon leading that group. And so God raises up local leaders as these local people, as these people seek the Lord. God raises up leadership. And so God works away. And that's the message that I really want to leave you with today. As we seek the Lord, as we pursue the Lord, as we cry out to the Lord, let us, as we see the descent of the morality of our culture, we ask the question, is there any way out of this? Is there any way out of this destruction that we are heading into? The book of Judges gives me great hope. Repent. Repent. Let us leave behind our false gods. Let us leave behind our ease. Let us leave behind our self-will. Let us humble ourselves before the Lord. Let's humble ourselves before the Lord. Seek Him. Seek His ways. Today's Thursday, and I, I just tweeted out that I'm, I have bowed out of the national sport of disparaging my political leaders, to speak poorly of my leaders. God calls me not to do that. May I not do that. And may I walk in that integrity. By the grace of God, I seek this. Because we as Americans, we as individuals, we are called to repent of our sinful ways and walk in integrity because we, like the people in days, the days of Judges, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That's what we're doing. This is great. All the responsibility falls on me. This is great. All the responsibility falls right here. It's between me and God. Am I going to walk in integrity or not? Am I going to walk with the Lord or not? Am I going to seek his ways and trust him to make a way? To make a way that I might both 
Keep him as Lord. And be a blessing into this world. Indeed, he's made a way. Because that's our calling. He is Lord, is he not? To keep the vow? Is he your Lord? Does he direct your life? The people of Israel, that vow that they made before the Lord, it directed their life. See your Lord. If he is, are you keeping that vow that you've made to him? Are you walking in his ways? Where you're not, repent. Repent. I don't know where your struggles are. I don't know where your sin is. But I know where forgiveness is. Jesus calls to us and says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John the Baptist said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. David tells us to repent while there's still time. That's what we're told also in the book of Hebrews. Repent. Cast away the sins which hinder us, which weigh us down. Walk in righteousness. Cry out to God to give us leadership in this world for the glory of his name. That we as Christians might walk like the righteous people in the days of the book of Judges. Not like everyone else. Pray that God would prepare a way and that we would walk in it with boldness as we have been called to. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for this call to do what is right, each of us individually. Lord, I thank you, though, that we have a king. It is Jesus. May we walk in his ways as Lord. May you be glorified in our lives. May you be honored through all we do. Blessed be your name, Father. For you are good. And you are powerful and you are wise. Let us seek you in humility and for grace. Blessed be your name, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.